This podcast is a project of the Massachusetts Cultural Council, a state agency committed to building creative communities and inspiring creative minds. So we're asking people, what are they doing to help their community, their neighborhood, their religious organization? How are they contributing to the cultural and civic life of our society? That if we want things to get better, we can't wait for somebody else. We are the people who are going to make it better. And President Kennedy knew that, and we're encouraging people just to be reminded of that every day. Hello, I'm Anita Walker at the Massachusetts Cultural Council, and welcome to Creative Minds Out Loud. Joining us today is Stephen Rothstein, Executive Director of the John F. Kennedy Library Foundation, and welcome to our program. Thanks, Anita. First of all, I am very excited because this is a special year at the John F. Kennedy Library, and we are thrilled at the Mass Cultural Council to have embarked in a major partnership with you this year, the centennial of the birth of John F. Kennedy. We could not be more thrilled with the partnership and with the centennial. You know, there are 1917, John Kennedy was born in Brookline, and there's very few people who were born in 1917 that, that are so relevant today that we can learn so much from today. His call to service, his innovation is important for arts, and the partnership with Mass Cultural Council is so important to us, we're so thrilled. You know, this is the only presidential library in New England, and when I've mentioned that to people, they're surprised. Yeah, there are only 13 presidential libraries in the country. We're the only one in, in New England. Um, when Obama opens his in three or four years from now, whenever it is, that'll be the 14th presidential library, because they didn't start until Roosevelt um, and kind of going forward. And so it is a real cultural treasure for people to come to the museum, to go online, to look at the digital archives. And again, his words, it's not just history, but it affects what we're talking about today. Thinking about the issue, we talk about big ideas. And those big ideas are called moonshots. Well, literally, President Kennedy brought us the first moonshot. Um, or support for the arts, or the national seashores in the Cape, or so much more. Well, obviously, we've been um, very intrigued with his thinking and the underpinnings of why he was such an advocate around the arts. In fact, um, I think he's probably spoke more eloquently about the role of the arts and the humanities in a democratic society more than anybody else. Where did that come from? Um, it came from him, his culture, his upbringing, and his wife. Um, that he really fundamentally felt it wasn't a nice to have, it was a have to have in society. To have an open and free society, he first he is very interested in history. He wrote three books and was thinking of being a professor for a while and a journalist, so understanding that. And, and looking at history and looking at the importance of arts in so many ways. So while they're in the White House, he and his wife did more to restore the White House, to bring culture into the White House, to highlight it. You know, when he passed away, the National Memorial is a Kennedy Center for the Arts, and he led the intellectual seeds for what became the National Endowment of the Arts, the National Endowment of the Humanities. So it was very important to him personally and professionally. You know, this is kind of a double year because 2017 is the centennial of the birth of John F. Kennedy. It's also the 50th anniversary of the establishment of the Massachusetts Cultural Council, the state arts agency, which is, again, an outgrowth of his advocacy and his thinking. He just did not live long enough to implement um, these ideas himself. One of the things that I found interesting as I've been delving into his writings and his speeches uh, about the arts in a democratic society is we talk a lot today in our advocacy about economic impact, about the job creation, about the creative economy. I don't think that was on his mind. He wasn't thinking about economic impact of the arts. He was thinking more of its um, 
being the soul of the nation. Exactly. No, I mean, thinking of, literally, t you know, think about uh, inauguration when he had Robert Frost come. Uh, a poet there, to these events at the White House, to what he did when he traveled around, to encouraging young people. It did affect the soul, and that started with him when he was growing up and reading and, and what he was exposed to, and Mrs. Kennedy was a big inspiration for this. You know, because of her leadership, she restored the White House. The 80 million people watched CBS when she did that special program. She led to the founding of the White House Historical Association, that there hadn't been such a... So you think about a historical majesty like that, she found things from Madison and Monroe and other people that just literally dusty pieces of furniture. So restoring that and as part of that treasure. What binds democracy together is people's engagement and their knowledge of history and culture. Um, and you look at the arc of history over time, societies that have fallen, they've let arts fall as part of that. So it is critically important as part of that. But you know, he thought about service in the Peace Corps. He thought about in inclusion for his work on civil rights and people with disabilities and so much more. So you're going to be uh, taking the course of 2017 to really focus on a lot of the big ideas, the moonshots that you called them. Uh, talk a little bit about some of the areas that you'll be focusing and how you'll be engaging the public in that. So we're engaging the public in lots of ways. First, we encourage people to come. There's always new things in the museum. We have a new centennial exhibit opening with things that have never been seen before. So the flag, the American flag that flew on PT-109. The speech that President Kennedy was about to give on November 22nd before the assassination. Uh, some of his personal items, like his necktie collection and sunglasses and suitcases. So these are things that no one in the public has ever seen before, many, many other things. So first is the stuff at, at, the, the, at, at the museum we encourage them. But then we have a variety of events. The Postal Service has a new stamp that has President Kennedy's picture on it, that we're dedicating a first day of issue at, at the library. There is to honor his commitment to physical fitness. Uh, started, you know, he was very active with the President's Council on Physical Fitness. We're having 35 touch football games on a weekend and, and organizing that. We're having a special day for Peace Corps, returning Peace Corps volunteers at the library. We're having an astronaut come and talk about that. But we're also focusing on the arts in so many ways. So in Washington, for example, the Smithsonian is doing a special exhibit, the National Archives, the Museum, Library of Congress, and others are doing different things. Some a small case, some a full exhibit. So really trying to highlight, and of course, the Kennedy Center for the Arts we're working closely with. And then online, we're doing a variety of things. There's about a thousand places around the world that have been named after John F. Kennedy. And we're writing to as many of them as we can find, and we're going to do like a Google map of all of them that we can find, and encourage them to build a network. Uh, so that places all over the world can celebrate that as well. Big places like the John F. Kennedy International Airport or the Kennedy Space Center to schools from Somerville, Massachusetts to Western Mass to India. There are dozens in Massachusetts and I can tell you this because one of our programs is to fund school field trips and to put artists in the schools and we have an awful lot of money going to John F. Kennedy schools in Massachusetts. That's great, yeah. <laughs> no, it's great. And we want those students to feel part of this connection. You're also doing some things on co college campuses, really to dig in to the issues and the thinking that, again, um, more than 50 years ago, presented by John F. Kennedy, 
extremely relevant today. Talk about some of those yeah. activities. So we're doing a variety of things at campuses, and a few of them, Hobart in New York, and Brandeis, and Tufts in, in the Boston area, UMass Boston, and many others, where we're going to have somebody, myself or somebody else, talk about what President Kennedy was doing on an issue. It could be on arts, or, or Russia, or Cuba, or nuclear disarmament, and then give a brief overview, and then have professors talk what's happening today. And those will all be videotaped. So you can see the arc of an issue. So Mark Guerin, who was the director of Peace Corps, he's now president of Hobart. We're going to do a, a seminar with him on, on a national service and what's happened on that. Brandis is doing one on intellectual disabilities. Civil rights is, we're doing one at Tufts. So really highlighting, in some ways, our country has come a long way on some of these issues. And heartbreakingly, on some others, we really haven't come as much far. And we want college students, who sometimes think the issue started when they were born, <laughs> like, oh, it wasn't an issue before, to understand kind of the arc of these and to understand what came before them, not to say the president got it all right. He made mistakes like everyone else. You know, the Bay of Pigs, we learned from, we did not have the Situation Room in the White House. Um, before that. And what he found from the Bay of Pigs that he wasn't getting accurate information in a timely manner. So that led to the Situation Room being established. That led to our country now having better information. The hotline to Russia. So, so many things we've learned from in that process. Uh, the Navy SEALs started. You know, more than half of um, living Americans were not alive when John F. Kennedy was president. Yet, somehow, despite the fact that he served, what, a thousand days? A thousand days. He is iconic. What is it about? What? Why was he able to make such a dramatic uh, mark in America? It's actually it shows you how time marches on. Uh, I'm one of the 20 percent who was alive when he was in the Kennedy administration. So 80 percent of the people in the United States were born after the Kennedy administration. But he is still the most popular modern-day president. And part of it is that he embraced these big ideas, the Peace Corps, you know, that this idea that we'd send young people to countries all over the world, some that were just leaving colonial rule, and they would make an impact was pretty radical back then. Eisenhower called it the Kitty Corps. Um, but since that time, a quarter of a million people have gone Peace Corps. They had enormous impact, but it led. To, it was the intellectual seeds that led to AmeriCorps, Vista. Uh, nonprofits like City Year. So part of it was he had some big ideas. Second is he brought he governed by bringing people together through inclusion. He brought people together. And third is because his life was cut so short, there's a lot of potential. What could have been? You know, he got so much done in a thousand and thirty-six days. What would have happened if he completed his first term, was re-elected to his second term? Um, and there's so many opportunities. And unfortunately, the '60s had a lot of tragedy with he and his brother passed away, and Reverend King. That you know, I think our country um, um, changed dramatically. Probably uh, the most powerful and well-known words of uh, John F. Kennedy were, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Um, that resonated in his thinking behind the Peace Corps. Um, but it's a question you're asking visitors to the, the museum. Absolutely. What are, what, are, what are people saying now? So it's just as, that is, is an example where it's just as relevant today, maybe more so, for our country to get back on track. When he was in office, 75% of the people, according to Pew Research, trusted government, 75%. A year ago, before the recent election, it was 19%. So 80% of the people did not trust government. Part of it is we believe we have to ask the question, what do you know about government? So we do a lot of civics education. And what are you doing to help? 
to really make an impact, and that is registering to vote. We have naturalization. If somebody wants to come and get inspired, come to the library one of the days that we do the immigration services and people swear their oath. The, mo the one we did at the beginning of the year had folks from uh, 170 people from 51 countries, from Albania to Zimbabwe. They came and they literally were sworn in at the library. And when they do, I tell them that two generations before President Kennedy, his grandparents came and were, were naturalized. And they came from Ireland because of the potato famine. And within two generations, their grandson was president. So of the folks in the audience, maybe somebody there, I'll be going to their presidential library of their kid or grandkid. So we're asking people, what are they doing to help their community, their neighborhood, their religious organization? How are they contributing to the cultural and civic life of our society? That if we want things to get better, we can't wait for somebody else. We are the people who are going to make it better. And President Kennedy knew that, and we're encouraging people just to be reminded of that every day. Well, we, as I said, are very thrilled to be uh, entering in a partnership, and it's really honestly opened my eyes and reminded me of, of so many of the, um, the landmark um, and powerful statements that John F. Kennedy made, again, in such a short period of time, but also in terms of the arts and the humanities. Um, together, we are launching this year, in 2017, a new John F. Kennedy Commonwealth Award uh, to recognize um, national champions around this work, which John F. Kennedy certainly was the first and foremost, and also uh, taking a deeper look into some of the things that he said or that he wrote that talked about where he saw the positioning and the role of the arts and humanities in our democratic society. So those are things that we're going to be doing together throughout the year and hopefully a lot more as we, as we discover new opportunities to work together. Um, as we kind of wrap up our conversation today, um, when we get to the end of the year, the end of the centennials are great years to really galvanize and engage people in a way they haven't been before. Um, where do you want this to go next? Um, so first is, again, we are so thrilled and appreciative of the support from, uh, from the Mass Cultural Council and your intellectual leadership in the arts world and bring people together and understand it's important to advocate. So thank you and the organization for all that, all that you're doing. That we view the, the centennial year as an exclamation point, not a period, meaning it's not going to end then. We want to highlight activities, but the work will go on. The work to educate young people on civics, the work to bring public policy forums, to work to highlight the importance of things. You know, we talk about the cultural life of Cape Cod. Well, National Seashore wouldn't exist without President Kennedy. The tall ships that will be in, in Boston this year. He signed a letter in 1962 that led to saving some of the tall ships that led to the first regatta in 1964 uh, as part of that. So there's so many things that probably, we want people to know the history, not just to understand President Kennedy, to be empowered themselves, to be inspired themselves. Um, President, uh, former President Obama recently said in his farewell speech about being a citizen and the importance of being a citizen. It's the most important role in democracy, and it is. And we want to encourage every citizen to figure out how they can play that role and to contribute to the civic, artistic, uh, cultural uh, element of their community. We're doing what we can and want to partner with all of them uh, in 18, 19, and going forward. That sense of uh, civic empowerment, uh, that's really the source of hope and optimism and the future of our country. Stephen Rothstein, Executive Director of the John F. Kennedy Library Foundation, another one of our creative minds out loud. Thank you so much. To learn more about this episode and to subscribe, visit creativemindsoutloud.org.